Hello, this is Jude from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 22nd of January. India reported 14,545 new cases of coronavirus in the last 24 hours. The overall COVID tally stood at the 1.06 crore or 10.6 million mark. A little over 160 fresh fatalities were recorded and the nationwide death toll crossed 1,53,000. The Union Health Ministry said today that nearly 10.5 lakh beneficiaries have received the COVID vaccines till date under the nationwide inoculation drive. India today dispatched shipments of Serum Institute of India's Covishield vaccine to Myanmar, Seychelles and Mauritius. Prime Minister Narendra Modi said today that India's fight against the pandemic has strengthened the country's health infrastructure through the Make in India mission. At the 18th Convocation Ceremony of Assam's Tezpur University, he said, and I quote, from mass production of masks and sanitizers in the country to the development of the coronavirus vaccine, the people of India worked day and night to fight against the pandemic, unquote. Meanwhile, Delhi yesterday recorded 24 incidents of AEFIs, or adverse events following immunization, after the coronavirus vaccine was administered to recipients on the fourth day of the city's inoculation drive. The Hindustan Times reported that 22 of the 24 AEFIs reported were minor, while two people required hospitalization. Beneficiaries who had to be hospitalized had received Bharat Biotech's co-vaccine shots. Five people were killed in yesterday's fire that engulfed the upper floors of one of the campuses of Pune-headquartered Serum Institute of India, or SII. The Serum Institute is producing doses of Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine Covishield in India and is also a key global player in the supply of vaccines. According to an Indian Express report, all the five deceased persons were doing welding and air conditioning jobs in the campus premises, the construction of which had been completed recently. Serum Institute CEO Adar Poonawala, before the news of the deaths came out, had tweeted yesterday that the fire had not impacted the production of the Covishield vaccine. Poonawala, who was out of the country when the incident took place, told the Indian Express later that he was in a state of shock after hearing about the deaths. The central government, meanwhile, informed the Supreme Court today that it will not be giving an extra attempt to Union Public Service Commission or UPSC aspirants who could not appear for the entrance exam in October due to the pandemic. The court asked the centre to file an affidavit and posted the matter for hearing on January 25th. The farmers' agitation at the border of Delhi is nearing its 60th day. Farmer union leaders met the central government for the 11th round of talks at Delhi's Vigyan Bhavan today. In the last rounds of talks on Wednesday, the Narendra Modi government had agreed to suspend the implementation of the three farm laws for a period of one and a half years. It had offered to convey the same to the Supreme Court in an affidavit. The farmer leaders, after deciding on the government's proposal in an internal meeting yesterday, rejected the centre's new proposal. They reiterated their demand for a complete rollback of the laws. Preparations are underway for the farmers' tractor rally on Republic Day, when farmers in large numbers from various states are expected to rally on a 16-17km to stretch of Delhi's Outer Ring Road. A meeting between farmers and the Delhi police yesterday on the route of the Republic Day tractor rally remained inconclusive. The Indian Express reported that farmers in Karnataka are also planning to hold a tractor rally on Republic Day. A Karnataka farmer leader told the newspaper, and I quote, Around 25,000 farmers will enter Bengaluru and reach Freedom Park through the main roads of the city via Yashwantpur and Maleshwaram, unquote. 
Meanwhile, the Supreme Court appointed expert panel interacted with farmer organizations for the first time in a virtual meeting yesterday. The committee said it spoke to farmers from eight states and received suggestions to improve implementation of the acts. In a fifth incident of alleged suicide at the farmers' protests, a 42-year-old farmer from Haryana allegedly died by suicide on Tuesday night after consuming a poisonous substance at Tikri border. The farmer Jay Bhagwan Rana left behind a purported suicide note expressing his concerns as a small farmer and his disappointment over the deadlock between the center and the farmers. Meanwhile, the Hindustan Times reported that another farmer, 60-year-old Dhana Singh from Punjab's Patiala, died of a heart attack at the Tikri border. On Wednesday, farmers' body, Bharatiya Kisan Union, told the Indian Express that more than 100 people have lost their lives in the course of the protests. The Punjab government today gave rupees 5 lakh each to the families of four farmers from Ludhiana who died during the protests near Delhi. Meanwhile, Congress Party Chief Sonia Gandhi today held a virtual meeting of the Congress Working Committee, or CWC. In her opening speech at the meeting, she accused the Modi government of showing insensitivity and arrogance in the way they passed the laws. The CWC passed a resolution demanding that the centre repeal that what the Congress described as the three anti-agri laws. The NIA, or National Investigation Agency, recently postponed the questioning of the United Kingdom-based NGO Khalsa Aid, in connection with a case involving secessionist group SFJ-06 for Justice that advocates Khalistan. The NIA on 16 January had summoned the India team of Khalsaid for questing in the same case. Two days later, it was announced that the NGO was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Many reports have hinted that the NIA's differing of the question was brought about by the NGO's Nobel nomination. In the recent past, various people supporting the farmers' protests, directly or indirectly, have been summoned by the NIA in the SFJ case. Multiple ministers in the ruling government have also made remarks of the alleged involvement of Khalistani elements in the farmers' protests. But where did the Khalistan narrative arise from? What made a section of the Indian media lap up the narrative and play it up repeatedly? News Laundry reporter Nidhi Suresh in her latest report on Newslaundry.com details how the Khalistan narrative was born out of a story that was made up by the media and PR wing of Pakistan's armed forces. To know more about how the narrative started in the neighbouring country and was picked up by sections of the media here at home, read the report titled, Pakistan's ISPR made up a story of Khalistani hand in farmer protests. Indian media lapped it up. While you're on newslaundry.com, you will find your full coverage of the farmers since the day they started. You will find stories in the form of interviews, video reports, explainers, ground reports, podcasts and much more. News Laundry is a 100% ad-free media critique and news platform bringing you stories that matter. If you like our work, do support us by hitting the subscribe button on the top right corner of our website. Lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only. Pay to keep news free. The Central Bureau of Investigation of CBI today registered a case against British political consulting data analytics firm Cambridge Analytica for allegedly improperly accessing and misusing the personal data of 5.62 lakh Indian Facebook users in 2018. It is alleged by the CBI that the political consulting firm then used the data to influence elections in India. The agency has said that Cambridge Analytica, in conspiracy with the firm Global Science Research Limited, or GSRL, illegally harvested data of 335 Facebook users and their 5.62 lakh contacts in India through an app and used the same for commercial purposes. In March 2018, multiple international media platforms cited former Cambridge Analytica employees and documents 
to report that the firm had harvested private information from the Facebook profiles for over 50 million users globally without their permission. This information was then allegedly used to curate messages to voters to influence the outcome of the 2016 US presidential elections won by Donald Trump. Facebook had admitted in April 2018 that the data of more than 5 lakh Indian users had been compromised in the breach. Union Minister of Electronics and Information Technology Ravi Shankar Prasad had told the Rajya Sabha in 2018 that there will be a CBI probe into the Facebook Cambridge Analytica data theft case. An initial inquiry was started by the agency in August 2018. The CBI's initial inquiry had revealed criminal offences committed by Cambridge Analytica and GSRL. This led the agency to book the two firms of criminal conspiracy and cybercrime. In another update on social media, the Bihar police today put out a clarification on the state government's new order relating to social media posts. The Bihar government in an order yesterday had brought offensive and defamatory social media posts against the state government and its officials under the category of cybercrime. The state police in its clarification today said that constructive criticism was welcome and action may be taken only against social media posts that use insulting language to spread rumours. The order was made public yesterday in a letter written by the Chief of the Economic Offences Wing, I.G. Nayar Hasnain Khan. The letter said, and I quote, It has come to light that certain persons and organisations have been making defamatory and offensive comments on social media against the government, respected ministers, parliamentarians, legislators and government officials. This is against prescribed law and comes under the category of cybercrime, unquote. Khan added that it seemed corrected to take action against people responsible for the defamatory social media posts. Meanwhile, in response to yesterday's order, Bihar opposition leader Tejasvi Yadav of the Rashtriya Janata Dal today challenged the Nitish Kumar government to arrest him under the new order pertaining to offensive social media posts. Bihar, however, is not the first state to put a tab on social media posts. The Kerala government had recently cleared an ordinance to punish those found guilty of spreading offensive and threatening social media posts. After receiving flack over the law restricting free speech, however, the government had to put the law on hold. In another story involving the government and social media, executives from Twitter yesterday, who appeared before a parliamentary committee, were questioned about Union Home Minister Amit Shah's Twitter account being blocked in November. The meeting with Facebook and Twitter executives was called to discuss safeguarding citizens' rights, preventing misuse of social media platforms, and women's security in the digital space. NDTV, followed by other news platforms, however, reported that Twitter officials were questioned why Mr. Shah's account was blocked and who gave them the right to do so. The officials explained that the account was temporarily blocked as there was a copyright issue regarding a picture posted. When Mr. Shah's account was blocked in November, Twitter had described it as an inadvertent error under its copyright policies. The move was soon reversed and the account was made fully functional. This comes in the backdrop of Twitter and Facebook suspending and deleting accounts that propagate hate speech in the US. The account of the former US President Donald Trump was suspended recently by Twitter under its content rules after the unprecedented violence at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Dear listeners, the Bihar government's order on defamatory social media posts brings me to the recent developments in the country in relation to free speech. Be it the arrest warrant against journalist Paranjoy Guha Thakurta for writing a piece on the Adani group, the arrest of stand-up comedian Munawar Faruqi for allegedly hurting religious sentiments, despite lack of evidence or the recent controversy on the Amazon Prime video web series Tandav. All of these incidents boil down to the question of freedom of speech. 
In her recent opinion piece on newslaundry.com, Kalpana Sharma discusses, through some of these recent developments, the state of freedom of speech in the country. Her piece is titled, Freedom of Speech in India is Slipping Down a Slippery Slope. At least six workers were killed in an accident in Meghalaya while working in a coal mine in East Jaintia Hills district. The six coal miners had fallen to a depth of 150 feet after the machine they were using to dig a tunnel broke yesterday. The commissioner said that five of the six workers have been identified and their family members have been informed to claim their bodies. The bodies of the miners were recovered this morning and have been sent for an autopsy. In another incident in the state of Karnataka, at least eight workers lost their lives last night in a dynamite blast at a railway crusher site in Karnataka's Shiva Moga district. Karnataka Chief Minister B.S. Yadarappa ordered a high-level inquiry into the incident. The CM also announced a compensation of Rs 5 lakh for the families of those dead. According to news agency PTI, the explosion took place near a gravel and boulder-crushing facility in Huna Sodu village. The victims were reportedly transporting explosives using in mining when the explosion occurred. The Karnataka Home Minister said that the police had arrested the owner of the quarry and the dynamite supplier. Reports stated that the impact of the blast was so strong that it shattered window panes of surrounding houses and was initially mistaken for an earthquake. In a development in West Bengal politics, Trinamool Congress leader and the state's forest minister, Rajiv Banerjee, today resigned from the post. His resignation is the latest among a series of exits from Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee's cabinet. In his resignation letter to the CM, he wrote, and I quote, It has been a great honour and a privilege to serve the people of West Bengal. I heartily convey my gratitude for getting this opportunity, unquote. According to an NDTV report, Banerjee had earlier expressed his dissatisfaction with a section of party leaders. He also skipped five consecutive meetings of the West Bengal cabinet, besides over a dozen events organized by the Trinamool Congress since September. He also voiced his dissent against a section of the leadership in Howrah district around the same time. Political imbalance in the TMC started when former state minister Suvendu Adhikari quit the party in December. Now, let's move on to the international updates. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 97.4 million people and killed over 2 million, according to John Hopkins University. Over 53.6 million people have recovered from the infection so far. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top U.S. infectious disease expert, at a White House news briefing said on Thursday that based on recent seven-day averages, coronavirus infections may be about to hit a plateau in the United States. Fauci also said coronavirus vaccines can be modified to account for new variants of the virus and that while the South Africa variant is concerning, it does not appear to be in the United States. He expects current vaccines will be effective against the recently discovered virus mutations. Prime Minister Joe Biden unveiled sweeping measures to battle COVID-19 on his first day in office on Thursday, with his chief medical advisor, Anthony Fauci, praising his new boss's willingness to let the science speak in contrast to the Trump administration. Fauci said President Joe Biden's plan to speed COVID-19 inoculations, including setting up community vaccination centers and involving more local pharmacies, improves on the Trump administration's rollout. During the week ending 16 January 2021, London had the highest percentage of people testing positive, with an estimated 2.89% of people in London having had COVID-19 equating to around 1 in 35 people. Ministers are considering paying £500 to everyone in England who tests positive for COVID-19, 
in a dramatic overhaul of the self-isolation support scheme, the Guardian reports. The proposed change is thought necessary because government polling found only 17% of people with symptoms are coming forward to get a test, owing to fears that a positive result could stop people from working. The UK recorded another 1,290 deaths on Thursday and 37,892 new positive cases, and there is uncertainty about whether the current restrictions will do enough to bring the pandemic under control. Boris Johnson pointedly refused to be drawn on when lockdown measures could be lifted, raising fears that the regime may not ease for months. Japan's Deputy Chief Cabinet Secretary Manabu Sakai told reporters on Friday that there is no truth to reports about the possible cancellation of the Tokyo Olympics. The Japanese government is carrying out thorough countermeasures in order to be able to hold the Games, Reuters reported. The Islamic State has claimed responsibility for a rare and deadly twin suicide bombing that rocked central Baghdad, killing over 30 and wounding dozens. The group said the bombing targeted apostate shites on a statement circulating in an IS-affiliated website late Thursday. The statement said the first bombing was carried out by Abu Yusuf al-Ansari and the second by Muhammad Arif al-Muhajir, Indian Express reported. According to officials, the first suicide bomber cried out loudly that he was ill in the middle of the bustling market, prompting a crowd to gather around him, and that's when he detonated his explosive belt. The second detonated shortly after. The US-led coalition recently ceased combat activities and is gradually drawing down its troop presence in Iraq, sparking fears of an IS resurgence. The group has rarely been able to penetrate the capital since being dislodged by Iraqi forces and the US-led coalition in 2017. The attack was the first in nearly three years to hit the capital. That's all I have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 